0: Hey, it's Jeremy. And it's Julie. And we're two physicians, and we're still asking
1: what the hell? So Julie, we're back. Do you have a uh, a chief complaint you can give to me today?
0: I do have a chief complaint, Jeremy. Um, I think my chief complaint is what's the deal with chiropractic medicine? I feel like I don't know, you and I I think we've talked about how we have a lot of patients that um come to see us and say, Oh, well, I saw my chiropractor and they thought it was XYZ or and it's just really curious that it seems to be, you know, um, a method of treatment that a lot of people seek out. And I just, I think it's interesting and want to learn more about it. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I frankly, I've, I I feel like I have my preconceived notions of what chiropractic medicine is, but I think I really actually have no clue. And so I'm pretty <laughs> excited to do this episode because I think I'm actually going to learn a lot.
0: Yeah, I think we all will. Um, and we have a, a very wonderful guest uh, with us today. No bias. Um No bias at all. Uh, It's Dr. Adam Bruni. Um, He's a chiropractic physician. Uh, He is a specialist in uh, McKenzie diagnosis and treatment as well as dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, two big bunches of words that we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Um, He also (laughs) happens to live in the same house as me (laughs) and recording in the same house right now because he's my husband. So, uh, Dr. Adam Dr. Adam Bruni, um, so happy to have you on our show. Uh <laughs> so, so tell us um what brought you here? What got you into what what, what what got you bit by the chiropractic bug and kind of walk us walk us through how you uh how you got to be sitting in your own basement doing this podcast mm-hmm. today.
2: Well, thanks for having me. First of all, and uh, my origin story was that right out of undergrad, um, I my initial trajectory was law school, and I did a year of law school. At the end of which, kind of realized I didn't I didn't want to be a lawyer. So, um, <laughs> good call. With a year of reflection, I was looking into okay. Well, I would like to help people, so I was like, well, how do I do that? Well, who's helped me? And uh, on that short list of people that I really felt they made a big difference. Uh, My chiropractor was one. So I asked him, well, how do you go about that? And he goes, well, there's, you know, a really good school uh, in the area. And so I looked into that and um, kind of before I knew it, uh, finished a couple prerequisite classes and there I was. Um, And so uh, luckily when I started school, I was unaware of how involved chiropractic school really was um had i known might not have taken the leap but in retrospect i'm glad that it was um, more rigorous than just uh, like an online degree or something like that
0: yeah well, like what, so like, what is a chiropractor? Like, what do you have to do to become one? Like what talk me? I mean, I, I know the answers to these.
1: Questions. Yeah. Maybe she knows the answer, <laughs> but I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, tell so Jeremy. I, I understand medical school. I maybe understand a little bit of how you become an attorney. I don't really, I mean, I, I understand the concept of applying and going to chiropractic school, but that's about where my, my knowledge ends. So enlighten us. What happens at chiropractic school? How long are you there? So they call
2: it five academic years. Um, so it's it's 10 trimesters. Um, you can do that year round or you can do two on and then a summer off or, you know, more traditional school. Um, so it took me a bit over three years because I went straight through after wasting the year <laughs> of law school and the year figuring out what I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, 10 trimesters, I think, is pretty universal for all chiropractic schools. Um, but the surprisingly, um, different, uh, the, um, what you actually learn in school can be depending on what school you go to. So the school that I went to prided itself on being relatively evidence-based and also the schools in Illinois and the scope of practice for chiropractors in Illinois is, is quite vast. And so part of the philosophy of my school too, is to train us to, uh, practice within the entire scope that's afforded to us in the state that the school was. So even if you didn't desire to be doing pelvic exams, for example, in practice, um, you don't have to, but the training was there so that if you so desired, um, you would you would
1: have a basis for that. So if I went to school in another state, though, I may not have learned that. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. And so my school also um, uh, had, had a pretty good... Uh, focus on um, providing a background in in rehab and um there there are schools that uh explicitly um, keep their students from learning rehab unfortunately um, in my school I was also able to learn acupuncture um that was as a as a an elective it wasn't part of the normal curriculum um but that wouldn't be afforded to uh, many people in other schools but because again it's within the scope um, for me to practice in illinois they wanted to give us the opportunity to practice within the entire scope that we, that we wanted to.
0: And I'll just chime in here a little bit because Adam and I have been together for about 1 million years. And so, (laughs) and it really, it was, it coincided when I was in medical school. Um, Adam was kind of just starting chiropractic school. So it was interesting because there was a lot of overlap between the courses that I was taking in traditional MD allopathic medical school and what Adam was taking. And in fact, um, I think Adam, you had like quite a bit more anatomy training than I feel like that I had. And at at one point, um, I even had Adam come in to my anatomy class or into the gross anatomy lab um, a couple of times and like help do dissections. And um, in fact, like you helped us find like an anomalous artery in our cadaver's arm that we ended up um, presenting at the National uh, Association of, of uh, Human Anatomists or Clinical Anatomists. And it was, that was pretty don't cool. Miss
1: that meeting? It's yeah. that, that, a real that's, barn burner, right a, there. It's a <laughs> 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 Hey, I got, it, I got
0: to put I got to put on my CV, but it was just it was really cool to see how much how much what we were studying was overlapping because we were dating at the time, and we'd be studying for different tests and stuff. I'd be like, "Oh, you are doing histology. I am doing histology. Oh, you are doing, you know." There was some variations and like we did a bit more, obviously, like pharmacology. And then, you know, Adam did a bit more. I'm not going to talk for you, but, you know, a lot more like chiropractic theory and history and stuff like that.
1: So it's interesting, right? So you guys are going through that stuff at the same time. And I would think a lot of the curriculum, I mean, mean, you can't change histology. Histology is histology. Anatomy is. Did you feel like the curriculums lined up pretty well? Like not necessarily their format, but like the content. I thought surprisingly.
2: So. Yeah, we were able to study for a lot of the same exams and things. Um, the timing of every class didn't always work out exactly the same, but I'd say the first probably year and a half were 80% the same um, where, at, and then like Julie said, they would diverge in that. I had pharmacology just nowhere near as much as you guys did. Um, Cause I'm not going to be prescribing it. I just need to know what it does. And then, um, you know, I had a lot of uh, hands-on stuff like learning the adjustments and things like that, which obviously um, Julie didn't have that. Yeah, um, which would but- be
0: different than like if we, if Jeremy and I went to like a DO school because I think right, that's exactly, integrated yeah. in there as well.
2: Yeah.
1: So there's um, DOs that would would do something like that. This is super interesting. I didn't think we'd get into the, I, I didn't realize we were going to do this part of the conversation, I think, but this is fun. I'm really enjoying this. So <laughs> like when, when, when Julie and I applied to med school and, and hypothetically when every Uh, aspiring physician applies to medical school you know there may be schools that have certain strengths and weaknesses but more or less the correct curriculums are all the same so i don't feel like Mm -hmm. you're applying to schools based on knowing whether you're going to get a certain type of education or not um do chiropractic students have a good understanding because it sounds like there's a lot of variability both within the like across the country like if you had gone to a school in iowa it may have been different than if it was in illinois but in addition, it sounds like the schools themselves can kind of have different curriculums. Do Does everybody kind of know that or do you find that out once you get there?
2: <laughs> I honestly don't think a lot of people do know that. I think a lot of times there's name recognition for certain schools um, or certain schools have been around longer. Um, certain schools pump out a lot more graduates than others. Um, and so I've had conversations with a- aspiring students that were doing their due diligence, but I I. I- I would really think that it's more likely that a lot of people kind of end up where is convenient for them and sort of have the same assumption that you have that, hey, it's going to be the same basic stuff where the variability can be pretty
1: vast. Interesting. All right. So you finish chiropractic school, which you said was 10 semesters. Um, What happens after that? So the,
2: the difference, another difference between, uh, chiropractic school and traditional medical school is that our, um, like residency essentially is built into the last year. So, um, it's not a separate, it's not a separate thing. So, um, once you're out, same way you guys graduate and now you're a physician, but it's not, you can necessarily just hang a shingle and start practicing a chiropractor could.
0: Yeah. But you so and but you can also like get advanced like you can do residencies in chiropractic like you can choose to do that like if you wanted to be a chiropractic radiologist for example like it, there are specialties that you could choose to like remain in school and do a residency is that isn't that right Adam
2: yeah, so a friend of mine and the our, our valedictorian, um, she went on. Our radiology um, acronym is called a DAC bar, and she went on to do that, and it's 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 substantial. Um, yeah. the the extra uh, education that you would need to do, and so um, I I don't know if it's a requirement, but every DAC bar that I've been aware of became faculty and was part of that at the school while achieving that. Uh, degree or certification, mm-hmm. um, but really rigorous. I think probably um, chiropractors as a whole are trying to make sure that if they're putting someone out into a world where they're going to be reading those films, likely um, not always just hey, where is it safe to adjust this person's neck? But sometimes, is there a tumor in this liver? Yeah. Um they want to make sure that the the quality of of those radiologists is on par with those with MDs or DOs.
0: And I'm assuming that like just with with um like allopathic MD type uh medical colleges there's governing bodies that you like there's like boards that you need to like pass and you have to there there are standards that you need to uphold. I would assume is that correct?
2: Yeah, so um there was some variability when I graduated um between how many rounds of boards you needed to take state by state but uh the process was be was beginning to be that there uh it was going to be universal that there'd be four rounds of boards for everybody um i didn't need to take my fourth round, but I did um eight to just have it all taken care of so that like I wouldn't have to worry if my grandfathered in or or anything like that um so four rounds of boards. Um, th- it 's all throughout school, so mm-hmm. I think my first rounds of boards was like near the end of um, finishing the like the, the basic sciences portion mm-hmm. of the education and the fourth round was a lot more reading uh films and um like actual practical hands on things uh, uh being able to auscultate uh, being able to palpate and adjust or at least set up uh, an appropriate adjustment and um there uh, another difference is uh, between you guys and me is that once we've passed our boards, we're board certified, and at, le- at least as far as just having the DC at the end of your name, mm-hmm. Doctor of Chiropractic. Um, whereas I know that you guys need to kind of like refresh your board certifications from time to time. Yeah, uh, that that's not the the case for chiropractors.
1: Yeah. So I, I would I be wrong in assuming the vast majority of chiropractors when they finish the f- the five years go and hang up a shingle. That the amount of people going to residencies is is much lower than the amount just going out and working.
2: Yeah, definitely. What the 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 sort of um not equivalent, but the, the version of residency like where someone to graduate and not feel necessarily quite ready um is you can associate. And so you'll be working under a more established chiropractor or in a large practice. And that's how some people will come out and sort of cut their teeth and uh gain some experience. Um, not exactly what I did, but a lot of people do that. And I think that it's a pretty viable way of gaining some of the same experience that you would sort of get, uh, from a traditional residency.
1: I think it's a really good transition into like, there seems like there's a huge variability in what a chiropractor offers. You know, I, I think when somebody says, I saw my chiropractor and the next thing that comes out of their mouth can be almost, it feels like to me, almost anything. Like I hear anything from, you know, I was getting things that sound more like a physical therapist to I was getting full on, it sounds like you were actually seeing a physician to somewhere in between to I was getting stem cell treatments or whatever. And and so I guess maybe speak to kind of, you know, like what is the scope of practice for a chiropractor and how do people make the decision on what they offer and, 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 and how does it end up that way?
2: yeah, so the the at least in Illinois, uh, the scope of practice again, is pretty broad. So um, we can draw blood, but we can't inject uh, into the bloodstream. I think I, I don't know specifically. I, I know there are chiropractors that do intramuscular injections. I think that there may be um, a, like another licensure that you may need to get for that. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but uh, basically, we can't do surgery or deliver babies in Illinois um, in New Mexico. And I think California, you actually can deliver babies. Um, A lot of people would be surprised to hear that there is, there aren't many of them, but there is such a thing as a chiropractic gynecologist. Mm -hmm. Um, You can pursue that. Uh, I've, at least in this part of the country, I've been aware of too. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, so you're right. The scope can can be dramatically different. So um, I never wanted to pursue that or like, Even if I thought it was important, um, I, I I didn't want that to be my primary focus. So I didn't want uh, a female patient to all of a sudden be like, Hey, you know what? I think we should, we should take a look at this before we get started when that's not probably on their radar at all, that it was something that they could be in for that day. So, um, not something that I pursued, but, uh, Other than like, yeah, injecting and doing surgery, most other things are are within the scope. So you will find chiropractors that focus a lot on functional medicine, for example. So um, blood testing and other uh, testing, fecal testing. Um, to determine like what do we think is going on internally, and then uh, appropriate treatments that would be nutritional or supplement like supplements, things like that. Um, and you might find it, one of those chiropractors doesn't ever or rarely even adjust anybody. Then you'll find chiropractors where the adjustment is the main event, and that's kind of what you're there for. It's a pretty passive treatment strategy. You lie down and have things done to you. Maybe some soft tissue work. Um, and then I personally involve a lot of rehab because if I have a new patient, my goal is to make them not need me. I want to be able to give them the tools where they're able to manage it themselves. Um, I will help them along the way. I do adjust patients. But um, in, in my kind of practice philosophy, the, the adjustment is used to service the exercises that the patient is able to go home and do because I, I just don't see how I can compete with something that a person could do to themselves once an hour.
0: Yeah. Explain to us, like, what do you think the adjustment is? Like, I feel like that's like, yeah, the, the, the fireworks that people, you know, think about when they go to the chiropractor, like what you see in, in, you know, in movies and stuff is like, oh, they cracked my back and my neck and I felt so much better. Like, what do you, what do you think is like physiologically going on? Like, what, what, what do you see the adjustment doing? What's, what's, what is it? What are you hoping to achieve with it? What is it?
2: Across chiropractic, you're going to get a lot of different explanations about that as well. Um, The most egregious, in my opinion, is borderline magic. Um, They refer to something (laughs) called the innate. Um, and it stimulates the innate to heal your body. um
0: It's like Star Wars with like midichlorians in your blood.
2: Very similar. Very Can we similar.
0: say Star Wars? Can we say things like that?
2: Yeah, we did now. George
0: Lucas going to come up, up uh, <laughs> uh, knock on my door right now.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm proud of you for knowing midichlorians. i <laughs> the um, wife. Come on. But, right so <laughs> in my, in, and then you will hear um other explanations about like putting bones back into place or like this bone is rotated too much. So we're going to rotate it back. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, we'll still see that even though that's been all but disproven.
0: Um. I mean, I feel like I, I think- hear that a lot. Don't you, Jeremy? Or like, I'll get like my chiropractor said that my, my x-ray said that my back was twisted the wrong way or something.
1: Yeah. Or like the number one thing I hear is my pelvis was off. I, I was, I had like, I, 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 my pelvis was off and they, they adjusted me and I'm back to normal. I'm like, I'm in, in alignment. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Keep,
0: keep. Sorry, keep going, Adam. I didn't mean to interject.
1: No, it's okay.
2: Um, I'm being as generous as I can be to the people that might come in and say, "Oh, the chiropractor said he he put my rib back in." I think there's probably people out there that are chiropractors that think that way. I think also it might just be a very quick easy way to kind of describe what you're doing to Mm -hmm. a patient um i am guilty of over explaining though so i i i try to give the whole physiological explanation to a patient so i think what's happening first of all the sound what is the sound that's happening the the chiropractic adjustment opens joint space and in the joint space there's fluid so when you um that that fluid is under pressure you you Reduce the amount of pressure by opening the joint space and there are molecules that are in the fluid that will leave as a gas uh, most likely it's nitrogen and so you're really hearing more akin to like opening a carbonated drink and, and hearing the fizz release than that anything's actually cracking. Um, but what's the value of that? I think it's twofold. One, you will find similar to if somebody feels the desire to crack their knuckles, they're going to feel a lack of range of motion. They're going to crack the knuckles. The range of motion will be at least temporarily restored. And um, so we are moving or, or making move a restricted joint in, in a certain direction. Um, I, I think what a lot of people aren't appreciating, though, is that stimulation is a flood of proprioceptive information to the brain. So you're giving your brain a bunch of afferent information, uh, information from the body to the brain about uh, joint movement, joint position. And that's where I really think that the value exists more than um, just the gross, like this doesn't want to extend, crack, look, now it extends. Um, So I I think that the underappreciated component of it, even with a chiropractor that thinks that they're, casting a magic spell is that they're still sending proprioceptive information to the brain that that has some value, especially if you're able to reinforce that with the appropriate uh, rehab or exercises or postural changes.
1: So what I'm hearing from you is uh, you think that the adjustment has value more than just the patient saying, wow, I feel a lot better, which is awesome. Actually, in the way you explained it, I think makes a lot of sense to me. And and I think a lot of people really appreciate hearing that. I, I, that my follow-up question to you would be is it kind of feels like the model sometimes becomes come every week and I'll adjust you and just do that for the rest of your life. So like, obviously that's probably not the ideal. So maybe give me a sense of like, what does the adjustment help you do as a chiropractor? You do the adjustment and what does it allow you to then take to the next step?
2: Yeah. I I think that it's actually, personally, I think it's a pretty fair assessment that if the adjustment is the only intervention um, you are, it is going to set up a, Hey, come in once a a week for the rest of your life. Because like, if you get a massage or get, um, dry needling or get a chiropractic adjustment, um, and then now you're sitting up straight. If you go right back to your computer and hunch over it, the end result is going to be temporary at best with any of those interventions, I think. And so I really think that if you, um, are going to make the best value of it, then you're going to want to reinforce the changes that you've made. Um, so when it comes like to the musculoskeletal system, at least the way that it interacts with the central nervous system in the brain is the brain is rarely going to make a new decision to send out different efferent outward information. If it doesn't have new afferent inward information to base a new decision on. And so, um, I again, I think that the, the afferent stimulation is, is a big part of the value of it, um, but then it needs to be reinforced uh, in some way. So I'm sure there's many ways, even ones that I'm not aware of yet. Um, but if, if in isolation, just one massage, just one adjustment is going to do at best just some temporary relief. You will walk out feeling better after an adjustment. You will walk out feeling better after a massage or dry needling. Um, but if you don't change, why was that restriction there? Why was that trigger point there? um it 999 times out of a 1000 it's just going to return because i i think that it's the brain that created that restricted joint movement or that trigger point and if you don't tell
1: the brain to stop doing that then it's just going to keep doing it do you feel like the what percentage of the chiropractic world do you think thinks about it the way you think about it and i realize that's an unfair question you don't know every chiropractor out there but i guess <laughs> i'm trying to get a sense for the people listening is you know, clearly there's probably some bias on here. We know you very well for obvious reasons. You're doing this one floor below Dr. Rooney right now. (laughs) And, and, and we, we, we kind of knew where we were getting into from a standpoint of, of your perspectives on chiropractic medicine and your, 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 you know, like how you think about these things. But I just am interested for the, you know, if I were to drive around ten you know, cities or, or locations in Chicago and see 30 chiropractic clinics, what percentage of people are going to think about it this way?
2: So it'd be tough for me to say nationwide, um, in this area, luckily you have a pretty good chance of seeing somebody that went to my school if you're in the Chicagoland area, but the biggest schools in the country are ones that still kind of, uh, teach the older way. Um, and so they're they're turning out a lot more graduates than at least my school. There are several other schools that i I highly respect as well, so my school's not the end all be all um but unfortunately it, it, it's at least it's at best half and half that the schools the, uh, so here's a little bit of behind the curtain so in chiropractic the the divide is the straights the straight chiropractors those are the ones that wanna. Quite literally, keep it the same that it was in the late 1800s and not advance it in any way. And then the dirty term for what we are is called the mixers. How dare you mix it with other things? Um, but it's like Harry Potter shit.
1: It's funny. I was thinking yeah. it was West Side Story. I kind of like Okay, oh, Yeah. I was
0: like, <laughs> so, <laughs> there's, it's, it's about a to mixer, be rough. The mixer all the way. The yeah. <laughs> mixer's
1: in the straits.
2: <laughs>
0: See, I was thinking the yeah, Adams like a mud blood, yeah. you know? <laughs> I love it.
2: Good. Uh, So, yeah, the the derogatory term for us is that we're mixers because we will mix in functional medicine or rehab. uh, So like you were kind of saying, like more more physical therapy, traditionally thought of as physical therapy based um, treatment. So um, the Chicagoland area is probably better than most because uh nearby there's the school i'm referring to that i went to is in lombard illinois so the only one in the chicagoland area there's another excellent school in st louis so not that far away and then there's a very straight school in davenport iowa and um it's named after the first two chiropractors um and uh most people are aware of it by name and so their uh, graduating classes i think some years are are more than my school had total students. Um, and so, uh, you'll still get a lot of people from there. Now you can go to any school and then become an excellent physician. Um, but it would, it would be more of an uphill climb afterwards. So, um, in the group that I'm in, we do have, uh, excellent, excellent physicians that, that went to, um, some of those schools, but they kind of had to have a, uh, come to Jesus moment after school and then decide to pursue a lot of the things that um, I was lucky enough to be exposed to while, while still in school.
0: And being involved on the academic side of things, Adam, do you feel like the curriculum and the scope of teaching has changed, you know, at national in like the last, you know, whatever, 10 years, 15 years, how long has it been since you've been out of school?
2: Since 2009. So do that math 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like things Uh, have really
0: evolved to be more, you know, more sustainable, more functional medicine, more McKenzie based. I mean, what do you think?
2: Yeah. I'm under the impression now that if, um, if you were to start at my school now, by the time you graduated, you would have a pretty working knowledge of McKenzie therapy, um, and could very well be ready to sit for the credentialing exam. And, uh, I, I had, um like a passing glance with it when I was in school. And it, it, um, so th- that's definitely better. And then I know that um, you may have to pursue it a bit on your own, but I know that there are rehab-based classes near n- when you're nearing graduation that um, I believe will always give you at least an introduction to d- to DNS, which is dynamic neuromuscular stabilization. Um, so they the students now are definitely getting more exposed to it than, than I had. Um, yeah. both of these things, uh, I, I, started from scratch after graduating, mm-hmm. and I, I, don't think that that's, that that's the case now. Um, yeah. my school also hosts courses, uh, in both of those things fairly often. Um, those two things being DNS and McKenzie. Um, it, so you, it would still be continuing education, but you could do that without having to leave campus if you went to school there.
1: Adam, those those two things could probably be episodes of their own, and and, and maybe at some point will be episodes of their own. Sure. But can you just briefly, for people listening, give us a concept of like what you're talking about, like in a couple lines, like what is Mackenzie and what is DNS? Sure, Mackenzie started at the person that's named after Robin
2: Mackenzie was a physical therapist, and. It definitely started as a way to treat the spine, specifically the intervertebral disc, um, has since evolved to also be applicable to peripheral joints as well and soft tissue. Um, but in short, what Robin McKenzie was able to f- figure out uh, through, his, in, in his own words, through just a complete happy accident was a couple things. One, the role of the intervertebral disc in the generation of back and neck pain. So I feel like even a lot of chiropractors, um, when you tell them, oh, I threw my back out, um, they're going to start talking about, well, uh, something happened with your facet joint or, um, you know, th- something's, something's out of place. And, uh, I think now it's pretty well established that, um, the intervertebral disc itself, even if it is not a herniated or bulging disc, the annular fibers of the disc themselves uh, can be a pain generator. And uh, and in my opinion, are the by far the most common pain generator. And so um, even if we were to reject the notion that the disc is the pain generator, though McKenzie is still effective in that he was able to identify um, what we call directional preference. And so we will find that if you have the certain back or neck pain or hip pain, or elbow pain, even that it will uh, demonstrate directional preference, meaning that there is a singular direction in which you need to move repeatedly that will overcome whatever that lack of range of motion is, and um, centralize or localize uh, the pain that you're having. Um, and so it it boils down to once you have the appropriate movement prescribed for you, it's a very like almost uh, surprisingly simple treatment strategy, mm-hmm. and one that a patient can do for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, by and large uh, and so um that was kind of the first big eye opener that uh, that I came across after graduation that that actually changed the way that I practiced uh, one to um, empower patients to treat themselves a little bit more and then b to even really know what it was that I was treating um so There's a little bit of a background on McKenzie. Um, It's becoming more and more popular amongst chiropractors where it was, it it was a physical therapy, almost exclusive thing for quite a while. Um, And uh, in, from my perspective, at least it almost seems like chiropractic is kind of taking the reins of it in in a lot of ways. I I feel like um, physical therapy uh, probably could have embraced it sooner and stronger and probably could have stolen back and neck pain from chiropractors. I think if in the (laughs) 80s or 90s, they would have embraced it the way that they could have, uh, we would have had to pivot and we would have had to become more nutrition-based or something like that because I don't know why you would go to a chiropractor if every PT could do McKenzie for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is the way that I practice. Someone comes in and they have this problem already and there's a structure in the body that needs some uh, to be literally needs to be reformed or, or changed in some way. Well, okay. You came in with a wrinkle. We're going to iron it out with McKenzie. Um, DNS on the other hand is, uh, short for dynamic neuromuscular stabilization and can get in the weeds with that. But in short, um, it involves getting your brain to understand, actually not to understand, to remember how to, how to better control your body. And when I say remember, it's because we look at the way that most infants as they develop, uh, as long as they have normal neurology, will follow a pretty set script and the timing of which will be pretty specific. So if I see a baby in the airport that can reach its feet when it's on its back, I can tell you that baby is going to be about six months old. And if I just see that, I can also tell you that that's a baby that can turn from face up to face down whenever they want to. Um, they can reach across midline if they're reaching for something that they want, all just because I know that th- these are the things that a six-month-old baby can do. And I could tell you a bunch of things that they can't do as well, because it's it's that specific to where the infant is along their development of the things that they're capable of and incapable of. Um, and it sets, it, again, it, it follows almost literally a script. And so that tells us that then there's essentially pre-installed software that comes in the human brain that, that, that gets us to crawl. We don't crawl because we see our parents crawling around that gets us (laughs) sitting up, gets us walking, gets us, um, moving around the world. And if you look at, if you have a baby at home, that's over about nine months old, I I'd be willing to bet you don't need to remind them to sit up straight. And I'd be willing to bet that they, um, If they're bracing um, with a hand, their shoulder is always in a protected position. So that pre-installed software in the brain gives us a a pretty ideal stabilization strategy that we tend to lose after we're about six, seven years old or so. So rather than the traditional approach of someone comes in and you say, ah, well, this muscle's tight, this muscle's weak, we're going to stretch this one, we're going to strengthen that one is that going to create a lasting effect? I would say not likely, but if we can get your brain to decide to relax the tight muscle and to activate the inhibited muscle, especially if it's something that it inherently already understands, that's a better long-term solution. So could could I prevent the need for McKenzie if I could do DNS on everybody potentially? Um, but I really find that those two things integrate well, because again, it's, Hey, let's iron out the wrinkles that you already came in with. And then, uh, Let's, uh, if I follow this analogy through, I guess, uh, let's starch the shirt so that we don't need <laughs> <laughs> the ironing board afterwards, too.
1: These are amazing analogies. And can I make the <laughs> assumption that if anybody listening right now is a chiropractor, they've, they've now put you in the category of a mixer.
2: Just based yeah. on Oh, the, yeah. Hardcore mixer. Just based on those yeah. two
1: strategies. The, the straights are not doing these two strategies. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Right. As long as they adhere to staying straight. Again, you can, you can go to, uh, any school and become awesome. Sure, You just have to seek these things out afterwards.
1: So one, one of the big questions I wanted to ask you today, and I feel like this is a really awesome transition to it because I think it'll connect is how do every once in a while, a patient will ask me like, I want to go see a chiropractor. Do you know a good one? And I do. They're on the call, but they're not always <laughs> like, uh, like not in the area or whatever. But the the, the point is, is like, I actually don't know how to find a good chiropractor and there seems like a million of them. So how do you find a, a good chiropractor? And let me just start by saying it kind of sounds like one of the places you could start is seeing where they went to school.
2: Yeah, I think that that, that would be a good jumping off point. Um, I don't have an exhaustive list of um, the schools that I consider the best, but I – I do know that National University of Health Sciences in Lombard is an excellent school. Logan University in St. Louis is excellent and has some really special people on their faculty as well. And... Um, I am aware that on the West Coast, there are schools that are quite good, but I couldn't tell you specific to what cities or are the names of those schools.
1: But if you saw the curriculum um, like it, of these schools, Adam, like if, if somebody looked up and saw that they were doing some of these things that you were mentioning that put you in this other class, you could make the assumption that at least they're probably coming at it from a similar mentality that you think is probably better for these patients.
2: Yeah, definitely. So like, let's say someone calls me and says, uh, I'm moving to Virginia. Do you know someone in Virginia? I don't, but I will look to the area where they're moving to. And what I usually look to is the things that they promote on their website. If, if it's, um, rehab heavy, um, even if it's not necessarily the things that I do, if I see that, that that's where their mindset is. Um, and yeah, what sort of like continuing education or things have they pursued? Or if, you know, if they have full certifications too, um, I, I really prefer, um, to send somebody to a PT or a chiropractor that has, um, like a full McKenzie certification with McKenzie and DNS, the devil's kind of in the details. Um, and so you want someone that not even just has the certification, but uses it all the time, you know, so you can go to art school. And then if you, if you don't draw for 10 years, you could probably still draw better than me, but it's not going to be as sharp as if you do it day in, day out every day. And, um, so I I tend to look at, um, yeah, the things that they're promoting, uh, um, the, the face that they're putting forward so if they're making a big deal about all the different high-tech machines that they can hook you up to um that doesn't interest me as much as if there's photographs of um patients doing exercises and if they definitely if they name check dns or mckenzie um or something like uh, postural restoration things like that that seem like it's a patient Empowering and uh, active care model; uh, those are the, the the jumping off points that that I'm really looking for.
1: I love the description, patient empowering, Julie. I, I yeah, I don't feel like we even use that very often when we're talking about stuff. And I just I he said that a few times so far, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really really. I mean, it, it, there's so many different ways to come at that. Right? We should be empowering our patients not just with physical therapy exercises, but with everything we're doing. But especially in this world, that's just so. I just I really like that, Adam.
0: Well, I think that and and I think that you know when when people are uh criticizing chiropractic medicine it's that you know it does seem like this sort of quacky passive i need to see you once a week for the rest of your life because it's not sustainable. So Adam I think what you're trying to convey is is that it seems like what you know w- what we would hope the the future of chiropractic medicine would be would be this more patient empowering very sustainable Um, I mean, geez, like Robin McKenzie's two best selling books are how to treat your own neck and how to treat your own back. I mean, I think, would you disagree, Adam, that I think that maybe the reason why um, not more chiropractors are doing what you're doing is because maybe it's not as financially sustainable for them because if you get your patient better in five visits, then you don't make as much money off of seeing them you know, the
2: thought has crossed my mind. Uh, (laughs) I would hate to think that there was a boardroom somewhere where people were outright rejecting effective uh, treatment strategies. But personally, I feel like on a long enough timescale, if I get enough people better and they stay better, you know, for every person that let's say I see them 12 times, but I could have seen them 36 times, 36 is actually a, a pretty, um, common uh, treatment plan for a lot of uh, chiropractors visit one you sign up for 36 visits um i'm i, I i'm i'd be I, I i would think there there's very few people that i've seen 36 times total in my entire career um but uh let's just say let's say i see somebody 12 times total um and then that's it i could have seen them 36 if i really dragged my feet and dragged it out and um, didn't get them a uh, uh, hopefully permanent solution or, or as close to that as I'm capable of, um, I would hope that maybe that person tells two other people, they come in for 12 visits rather than the one person that came in 36 times and in a year goes, you know, it worked when I was going, but I haven't been and now my back's hurting
0: again. Yeah, which we see a lot too in, in orthopedic medicine as well is that like, someone will be like, yeah, you know, I saw them for their shoulder five years ago and we did a, you know a treatment protocol, and they're like, "Yeah." When I kind of fell off the wagon, and then my shoulders hurting again, can we like re up? And then I, th- you know, I think hopefully the second time around <laughs> things might be a little bit easier for them because there's less of a learning curve. But I, I mean, Jeremy, I, I want to get your opinion on this, but because I, I feel like there's just like a general distrust of chiropractic medicine in the allopathic world, and I think it's a little bit of we just. Don't know We're, we we don't know we all didn't marry chiropractors so we don't really get like what it is um, and how helpful it can be and how evidence based a lot of it is um, and especially good chiropractors doing it but I, I just I get the sense that like in allopathic medicine and maybe even osteopathic medicine too but I can't speak because I'm not a DO but like I don't know I just think there's a little bit of an arrogance on our side thinking that we know everything and the chiropractors are just sort of. Yeah, sprinkling some magic. Like I don't, do you do you do you pick up on that Jeremy?
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think I'm probably guilty of it myself. I I I mean I think it's I think it's a mixture of a lot of things, right? So sure. so so right off the bat, I think um, within any field there's always going to be bad eggs. So there's there's there are physicians who are I would consider not doing good practice and are not good sure. not good MDS.
0: Yeah, we don't work with any of them though.
1: And I think one of the things that I have felt about yeah right <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things that I have felt about was Ky- I'm being
0: totally <laughs> serious. I'm not, like that's I did I'm, I'm, it sounds jokey, but no, like
1: <laughs> the, go ahead. So, so ki Ky- there's so many chiropractors they outnumber yeah. at least in our area they outnumber physicians and it just feels like everybody sees one and 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 you have to think about the bias that goes into this right the the patient who ends up with me who was already seeing a chiropractor didn't have a good experience generally speaking <laughs> cuz they ended up with me uh, yeah. and, and and so i i 'm hearing stories and 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 so I, and i 'm using my own anecdote here, right, but this is happening to physicians everywhere, so the natural instinct is to say chiropractors don 't know what they 're doing, and then there are really the stories of chiropractors who are practicing outside their scope, maybe not necessarily by the law but certainly by what they were trained or what, the way that they, their knowledge base. And that, that happens in medicine too, but I don't think it happened like meaning with physician, uh, like MDDOs. I just don't think it happens as frequently, um, in that situation. And so all of those things create a persona and an attitude that ruin it for the people such as Adam who are not doing those things. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, I think that's kind of why we wanted to do this podcast. Yeah. I think it, this is the type of stuff and, 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 full disclosure i am learning so much on this podcast and i and i know you both very well we've had conversations before but like like this is stuff that's just not widely advertised right it's just not yeah. widely publicized and i think that th- this is important information that i think will help people kind of understand that a you don't just have to go to the chiropractor down the street b not all chiropractors do the same thing c it's not just about getting adjusted Like it's not just about something getting instant relief and like they threw an ultrasound on me for 10 minutes and then they put these cup things on me for a little while and then they played these vibrating things and then I got this like laser treatment that went up and down my body and made diagrams and then I got adjusted, walked out, I felt like a million bucks and I'm going to do it. You know, they said come back once or twice a week for uh, 70 or 80 years and it's going to (laughs) work perfectly and and so. I, I don't know. I I I just kind of went on a little bit of a rant there, but ultimately that's kind of where I am coming from. That that I, I asked Adam the question about how do you find more people like Adam? The same mm-hmm. way people say how do they find more doctors like Doctor Bruni, right? Like how do they how do you find a good doctor? It's it's almost impossible, right? You have yeah. to. It's all word of mouth. Think- you can't go to somebody's website and just find out that they're good, right?
0: I think the concept of you don't know what you don't know, you need to, like, I really try to take that to heart to myself. And just because I don't need to judge something just because I wasn't trained in it. And it, just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true or that doesn't work. So, like, there's a lot of stuff I don't know about other facets of medicine. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know a ton about dermatology, but a dermatologist does. You know, like, I, I, I'll tell you, like, before I did um, fellowship in sports medicine my musculoskeletal knowledge my orthopedic knowledge was not good like it, it was not like the forefront of what i was trained in medical school i'll tell you that um and even in residency and i went to a really great residency that had a sports medicine fellowship and i actually did learn quite a bit there but i think again like once i got into fellowship i realized how much i didn't know and so that's why i love these opportunities to to understand like yeah, something's going to sound like quackery if I don't get it, if I don't, if I wasn't trained in it at all. But if you have somebody, I mean, like, like Adam, that really explains the science behind it and gives like really good peer-reviewed evidence that shows like, hey, this is why this works. And it's not just working because I'm focusing your chi. It's working because here is like the actual physiologic response that your body has, that your, your central nervous system has to this treatment. And like, I just wish, I wish we could have a better understanding of what we all do because I think it would integrate so extremely well together and we just all have to marry chiropractors apparently. Yeah.
1: Well, in this case, it worked Not out well. Enough. Yeah, it, it worked out well in this case. I, 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 I would love to hear. This just, one's taken. I have, I have two, <laughs> I don't know which question to ask first, Adam. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pick one that, cause I just went on my perspective from chiropractic is what she asked me. So what I would love to hear from you is what is your perspective of physicians or maybe not your, maybe, maybe talk about also the way that you think the chiropractic world feels about physicians like MDs and DOs.
2: Yeah. My personal, again, there's going to be a bias here, but, um, I, enj- uh, appreciate the amount of, uh, you know, it's probably impossible to to, to not be evidence based. Um, so everybody's looking to make sure that what they're doing is current and supported by some amount of research. Um, I would say we're dealing with certain. Sometimes we're dealing with different patient populations too. So um, once something becomes surgical, um, that's that's out of my scope, and so I'm going to need a surgeon from time to time to help a patient. Um, sometimes their problem is going to be chemical and without a chemical intervention, my, my mechanical intervention is not going to be sufficient. So like somebody who's really acute might need, uh, a short round of oral steroids. Otherwise, uh, my mechanical therapy isn't going to be very effective or at least will be prohibitively painful to be <laughs> effective in the, in the, in the early stage. Um, if, if, if you're looking for criticism that, that I have is, uh, as a generality, I think that a lot of times um, just the way that medicine in, in general works kind of almost makes what, at least the way that I try to do it harder because people come in hoping that the thing is a pill or mm-hmm. is a singular thing like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not just going to crack my back and then this is going to go away. Well, no, your disc is is bulging and and hitting the spinal nerve. And that's why your foot, doesn't work. You know what I mean? And that's not a, <laughs> it's not, it's not a singular event that's going to fix that. Often we can fix it. Um, but, but, um, it's not a pill. Yeah. And so, um, patients definitely more and more are coming around to that. They're going to have to put in a little bit of work and they want to be empowered. Um, but I still will come across the occasional patient that, um, after a couple of visits falls off because it's, it's not just a pill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say from time to time, um, in allopathic medicine, the pill isn't fixing anything. It's covering things up Yeah. Mm-hmm. or, um, uh, so there, there can be times that that's, that, that works out. Okay. Cause we cover up the pain long enough for some healing to happen. I understand that, but, um, is it fully healed? You know, so mm-hmm. I, I am not overly critical of, of allopathic medicine as a whole, but if, if, if we're looking for, where do I see the seams? Th- those, those are a couple things. Um, And, uh, there was one other, uh, something in there that I wanted to hit on though, that, um, you would, what, what is my generally, so I have a generally positive view, whereas I'm sure there are chiropractors who are almost like strictly negative. And that kind of speaks to, you're talking about, um, the chiropractors that are kind of outside of their scope, like thinking that they're going to you know, this is an extreme example, but you will find it in the world. People that think that they're going to be able to cure cancer with their adjustments and things like that. So again, that would be an outlier for sure, but it exists. And, uh, that's the sort of thing that, um, that is frustrating for me too. Like you were saying for you that, uh, that a lot of chiropractic has a bad rep. I think that by and large, the profession earned a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. So uh, and so, like like you said, though, you're going to have good and bad everything. So you're going to have awesome garbage men and garbage men that suck, and you're going to have garbage garbage men. Brain, yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll probably even find brain surgeons that aren't awesome. If you really dig, you know, unfortunately,
1: which is scary. Isn't that what Dr.
0: Death was? Wasn't he like a, wasn't he a neurosurgeon?
1: Oh, it's an, yeah. it's our other copyright infringement on the on this He podcast. He sure sucked. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. What are, what other are brand names can I lampoon? Yeah. <laughs> that, that,
1: that's really good, Adam. So, you know, we're, we're probably at some point going to do an episode on, on, on billing and, and such, but can you give us an insight into chiropractic? Like, do people set their own rates, or is it pretty standard, or is it dependent on like if you work for a practice versus like like how do you guys bill as a chiropractor?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so it's very dependent on like where
2: you stand with different insurance companies. So you could easily say, "Look, I'm out of network with everybody." So. I'm, I'm cash and it costs this much and I'll give you paperwork. You can submit to your insurance and right. m- maybe they pay it in full. Maybe they send you 10 bucks back. that That's out of my hands. And there's plenty of people that do that to avoid the frustrations, but at least in Illinois, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield specifically uh, treats us pretty fairly, I think. And so when I was in private practice, I accepted only Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, at first I was a cash practice, but I realized that I had set my rates at, um, at uh blue cross's fee schedule and i was like wait then so why don't i take blue cross especially because in illinois probably i don't know 70 percent of people at least that come to me have it um but you get i'm sure it's the same for you guys too but we get reimbursed differently by different insurance mm-hmm. companies which is kind of bizarre if you really think about it um and the the main frustration is that like i personally want everybody to have health coverage i don't think that it should be dependent on who your parents are or how much money you make. Um, So I'd be in favor of some version of expanding Medicare to more people, but Medicare as it stands for chiropractors is not ideal. Um, They pay uh, um, 80% of just the adjustment um, and that's all. So that wouldn't even necessarily be so bad if it weren't for the fact that they don't pay for an exam. I legally must uh, perform an exam and I legally must bill for that exam, but y- you can't get reimbursed by your insurance company if you're if you're a straight Medicare. Um, so it, it it but it varies wildly between the the different companies. And so that's why you will find some people that that become a cash practice, which happens in allopathic medicine as well. Um, but at least uh I'm lucky enough to be in a place where um many of them pay pretty fairly. Um so Medicare also doesn't pay for any rehab if we perform it, which is also a frustration. And unfortunately, um, some of the other big ones, they they pay a, a flat rate. So if I walk into the room and say, nice to meet you, and then walk out of the room, I get, and that's all I do, I get paid the same rate as if I spent an hour and a half or three hours with that patient. Yeah. And so... um, it's it's not that much money, but it w- even if it was a good amount of money, the frustration for me there is that there's an obvious incentive for many chiropractors then to give lesser care to the people that have that insurance, and so I try to kind of keep out of my head what somebody's coverage is. Now that I am working for a group that does my billing, um, whereas uh, um, what the way I eliminated that, uh, I want I don't want to call it temptation, but almost maybe just like human nature. Was to uh, not accept those insurances when I was in private practice, and so um, it's probably easier to to walk over uh, chiropractors than (laughs) than it is MDs. But we do have like lobbying groups, and especially in Illinois, there's the Illinois Chiropractic Society that are pretty um, uh, dogged uh, about trying to get us more uh, Medicare with uh, uh, more access with Medicare, um, negotiate for uh, better. Um, reimbursements and things like that. Um, Unfortunately, you'll have some of the other states um, with more restricted scopes, uh, literally lobbying against the interests that we have. So not necessarily, I doubt there's anybody lobbying for less reimbursement, but you'll have schools lobbying to restrict our scope. Um, So it it always seems interesting to me, uh, you know, you, why don't you can practice how you want, but why stand in my way? So I got a little away from the insurance companies on that, but it's just another, uh, inside baseball, a bit of information about <laughs> the infighting amongst amongst, amongst us. Guys right yeah. Now.
1: So as a patient, if I call you up, it sounds like it's pretty similar to like, if I called up a doctor, I'm either going to use my insurance and it's going to be billed through my insurance and I'm going to have a copay or deductible, or I'm going to be paying cash based. It kind of sounds like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, but, um, uh, the, all the major ones that you've heard of, at least if it's a PPO, um, tends to offer coverage. We we the or the group that I'm in currently doesn't um, accept Cigna, but we accept United, Blue Cross, and Aetna. Um, and uh, in a previous practice where I was an independent contractor within a within an existing practice, um, we did accept Cigna then. But uh, such is the nature of our system. But yeah, it's probably more similar to what you guys do, especially from the patient side. Call up they'll tell you, Hey, this is your deductible. Um, if someone sees you and then sees me, that's paying into the same deductible, the same out of pocket, um, max, all that kind of stuff.
0: How would you like to see the marriage of chiropractic and allopathic medicine? Like what, how do you think that would happen? What did that, what would that look like? I know we kind of talked if about I, this, but I just think it's, it's so cool and so important. And I think we could help each other out a ton.
2: Yeah. If I had a magic wand, I would, I would meld chiropractic and physical therapy into the same thing. And let's maybe come up with a different term. Like we're physiatrists or I don't know, that might already be a thing, but it is a thing. (laughs) Um, And because the, uh, the, again, in general terms, physical therapists don't like us because we have the manipulation and they don't, uh, they're starting to be able to do more manipulation. Um, uh, more and more, but it takes specialized training for them. And, uh, we are envious of their access to allopathic medicine. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of times uh, I'm sure you guys are quicker to refer to PT. Um, especially if it's something that, that you're saying, well, this is not chemical and it's not surgical yet. Well, let, let's try PT, you know? Yeah. Um, so that access, um, is, is pretty nice. Uh, you definitely have more and more PTs becoming doctors of physical therapy now, um, but a, a chiropractor is considered a physician, so we don't need the referral from a from an MD to mm-hmm. to treat. Um, we can essentially refer to ourselves because we're we're a physician, mm-hmm. um, and so rather than this infighting also between chiropractic and PT. Let them adjust and let us have the access and let let us do more rehab. Th- that that would be great. But so without that magic wand, um, I really feel like uh, when appropriate. Th- so I, I think I don't at least personally want to see the post-surgical, the, the person's had their ACL reconstructed and now they're going to rehab th- this post-surgical knee i I feel equipped to do that, but that 's not what I want to do, and I feel like that 's where um traditional physical therapy excels mm-hmm. um, and but i i don't think that they necessarily excel in acute or chronic um especially low back neck headache or even just um, non or or difficult to diagnose pain mm-hmm. because probably a frustration for everybody is. You could see me, you could see the physical therapist on the street, you could see two other chiropractors, you could see you two, and we might all have a different diagnosis of what's going on. Right. Um, so I would really like to be able to um, incorporate more, at least the, the things that we can essentially prove it with our research a lot, like the McKenzie Institute cites mostly research done by allopathic medicine and surgeons. It's not like special PT or special chiropractic research. Mm -hmm. And I I think that it's pretty well established um, that what we're dealing with is different than what a lot of people think it is. I don't don't hear anybody discussing uh, the intervertebral disc unless it's completely herniated or at least bulging enough to be creating peripheral symptoms. Um, But, but I'm completely convinced that it is the primary pain generator for most people. Um, so even just us being able to educate each other, so I'm not just saying I'm going to come in and teach you all what's what, but like, um, (laughs) I I think that kind of what you were saying, uh, touching on earlier, Jeremy, just like we need to have a better dialogue. And so that would be probably the first thing is just to better understand what each other do. Um, and then, um. Yeah, I would uh, I would really like to be seeing the the people it's clearly not surgical yet um, and try to keep people from requiring potentially adverse uh, effects from surgery or uh, more risky medication when it comes to musculoskeletal pain. Again, I'm not saying uh, I'm going to adjust your cancer out of your lungs.
1: That's great. Julie, I think we should uh, do some rapid fire with them. What uh what do you wanna what do you want to know about your husband?
0: Oh it's a very pointed question. Um
1: go for it. Adam, you get one vinyl record for the rest of your life. What is it? One vinyl record?
2: Yep.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh I know the answer to this. The misfits walk among us.
0: Oh, I would have been wrong. I would have been wrong. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say your mummy's record. <laughs>
1: yeah Uh, Yeah. yeah, maybe we should play this actually like the dating game i should like ask him (laughs) we're in different rooms yeah Yeah. uh adam who's your favorite cat oh geez
2: oh man i'll say rhubarb because she's had health problems and she's still here so uh she's special for that reason
1: i actually think that's who julie usually picks too yeah she's such a sweet little angel yeah uh Julia. <laughs> no
0: one knows anything about our cats. This is so
1: ridiculous. <laughs> Julie has a lot of cats, and th- thus Adam has a lot of cats, and rhubarb is both their favorite. Yeah. Um, Sweet baby angel. What other rapid fire, Julie? One thing you want to know about your husband?
0: Oh, I thought we were talking about like like medicine related stuff. I don't know. It was like just like fun things. Oh, um Adam, what movie are you looking forward to seeing this week? I think that I may, may not this. that may or may not make you cry. Top Gun Maverick.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I really don't want to be in a, in a crowded, uh, theater right now, but I'm considering going to like the Tuesday, like sneak preview.
0: So that you can cry and like have your heart filled with Tom Cruise, uh, showing all the, the young, the young flyers. What's what?
1: So I I, yeah. I don't know when we'll pu- we'll publish this one, but you'll all know that we were we were shooting this before uh, Top Gun Maverick came out, and and we will have to have a follow up with Adam on, and he will give his formal review with Kleenex and all. Wow. <laughs> Adam, thanks for coming on. If people want to um, uh, learn more about you, or, or find you, or hear what you think about that Top Gun movie, where can they find you? <laughs> Um, so my my practice is uh, aligned modern
2: health, and I'm in the Logan Square location. So aligned modern health in Logan Square, and uh, I am not terribly active on social media, but um, my Twitter handle from in private practice remains my Twitter handle, and that is neuroactive fit tw- on on Twitter and neuroactive fitness on Instagram. Uh, Twitter is the only place I look, but I'm not talking in either place, so you might not hear much from <laughs> me in either one.
1: <laughs> and we c we can just go through to, you know, Julie too, to find Adam, I guess, sure, if we need yeah. to. So yeah. yeah. this was super fun, guys. Thanks for hey. uh sitting in separate rooms and doing this uh um you know Anytime. from the same location. Um but Julie, we're still asking.
0: Hey, what the hell?
1: amazing music is credited to skill cell with pixabay licensure what the health podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only the contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having the contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guests to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast.